in this moment when Moses, he's in the backside of the desert. He's wandering around with a whole bunch of sheep. He's lost his purpose in life. He was meant to be letting the children of Israel go. He was meant to, he knew he was called for a purpose, but he lost his way. Then as he's wandering through the, the wilderness with his, with his um, sheep, he comes across a bush that's burning, but not being burnt. And he has a God encounter moment. He has a Kairos moment. And in this moment, God, he hears a voice from the bush say, take off your shoes, you're on holy ground. He takes off his shoes, he stands, he faces the bush, and the bush continues to talk to him. We had a bit of a laugh because if I, I, I may talk to my plants from time to time, but I've never heard one of my plants speak back. If they did, I would be running for my life if they did. But here the bush is speaking to Moses and they're, and, and they're having this conversation together and at that moment God reveals his name. He doesn't call himself Elohim or El Shaddai or, or Adonai. Or he reveals himself as Yahweh. Y-H-W-H. And at this moment, God reveals his heart to Moses. He's, he reveals... He, it's the most personable name that he could reveal himself. It was all encompassing of who he was from who he is to Moses at this moment. And this word Yahweh was so um, holy, it was so precious, and is still revered in Israel as being so precious that they wouldn't speak the word Yahweh as it's written down. And, and these four letters, YH. WH stand for Yod, Yod, Yud, Yud, Hey, Vahe. And they represent a number sequence. All Jewish or Hebrew letters represent words, letters, and pictures. And the letter number sequence to these four letters is 10565. And they have an incredible significance when you look at what's the pictograph of these words are. The pictograph is, when you think back in Moses' time, God revealed himself as 10, 5, 6, 5, and those numbers represent in the Hebrew language, behold the hands, behold the nails. Mind-blowing, amazing, God revealed himself as the one who will be crucified way back when he spoke to Moses. And Dr. Israel Rubinstein from the Wiseman Institute of Science discovered that the number sequencing of the name of God is revealed through running through our DNA. Even more amazing. And not just human DNA, but all DNA that's out there. If you weren't here last week, can I encourage you to go on the church? Where is it? Uh, not that one. The church app the church website, or on Spotify. You can get all our church services on Spotify. Did you know that? I'm sure you did. So if you've got your Bible, open, uh, open it. Let's go. Isaiah 52. We read this at, uh, at last week, and I want to really focus on this again for a moment here. Isaiah 52, verse 6. And this is an important passage for us to read because it just reveals uh, a truth that many people, I believe, have missed over the years. Um, and I'm going to read it from the Amplified Version. It says, Therefore, my people, if you are a believer in God, if you've accepted Jesus Christ in your, in your heart, uh, the, God is speaking to us as well. Therefore, my people shall know what my name is and what it means. It's not, it's not good enough just to know the name of God. We need to know what his name means According to the word of God. Do we know what the name of God truly means and how to apply that name in our life? You know, it, it's really important. So we're going to, with last week and this week, we're going to identify the name Yahweh or I am in the old and in the new. Last week was the old. We're going to flip into the New Testament today and see what Jesus said or what he spoke regarding his name. Now, we know that the name of Jesus is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow. We know that the name of Jesus is all-powerful. When, when Jesus 
at the, uh, at the end of Matthew and the end of uh, Mark's gospel, he was declaring and speaking over, prophesying over the church and over his disciples. And he says, now look, you've seen what I've done. You've seen the, the power that was at work through me personally. Now you go in my name. So he gave us a name, his name, so that we would go in the name of Jesus and have all power and all authority upon this earth. It's pretty good. In other words, if I had my checkbook here and I said, here, Romeo, here's a check filled out for 36p. <laughs> here's a check written out for 3,500 pounds. And I sign the check and give it to him. He could go down to the bank as if he was me, because it's got my name written on the check, and get my money from my bank account to go to him. True? That is exactly what Jesus has done for us when he said, now you will go in my name. The, the dead will be raised in my name. The sick will be healed in my name. Those who are, who are without will be blessed by because you go in my name. In myself, let's all remember this, in ourself we can do nothing. But in the name of Jesus, in the power that he's invested in us, there is nothing that is impossible. What an incredible gift to salvation he's given to you and I. Let's read this in Philippians verse, uh, chapter 2, verse 9 and 10. Therefore, God also has exalted him, that's Jesus, and given him the name which is above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee, every knee, say every, every, every. consider that, every knee. Now that could be every person, that could be every circumstance, that could be every sickness, that could be every issue and problem that we walk in life. Those things that are named, you know, when, when someone comes along and says, I'm, I'm sorry to say, you have cancer. They have labeled you with a disease that at that name of Jesus, every knee will bow. I absolutely believe cancer has to bow to the name of Jesus. I absolutely believe that Jesus re has redeemed our life from destruction, according to Psalm 103. So here it says that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow. Of those in heaven, heaven moves when we declare the name of Jesus. Heaven, we capture heaven's attention. When you speak the name of Jesus, heaven suddenly looks your way. Do you, do you know, <laughs> let me think, Dan, did you recognize my voice? Did you, I recognize Dan, how many, how many people here thought, ah, oh, I know who Dan is? Put up your hand. Number of you who know Dan recognize, ah, oh, that's got to be Dan at the back. Do you know what? That's what happens when we speak the name of Jesus. All of a sudden, Jesus is looking, hang on, someone's calling my name. That's what prayer, that's why prayer is so powerful. When we say in the name of Jesus, it's not just a polite way to end the prayer. There are people who, who, in prayer meetings, and they have to say in the name of Jesus just to put a full stop at the end of their prayer. That's not what prayer is. That's, it's suddenly declaring in the name of Jesus, I believe in the power of that name. I've caught heaven's attention. I've caught the attention of Jesus, my Redeemer. I've caught the attention of the one who is and who was and who is to come. I've caught the attention of all of heaven. Then it says, and on earth. So in the name of Jesus, when we release the power of that name, something on this earth, things on this earth have to obey the name of Jesus. That's, that's why we go in authority. You know, Jesus, the centurion, the centurion who went to Jesus, and he said, look, I'm a man in authority, and I'm a man under authority. And when Jesus said, your servant will be made whole, he didn't have to say to Jesus, look, no, you come, 
You come and see my servant, and then I'll know that he's well. He turned around and said, look, I'm a man in authority, and when I say go, they go. And when I say come, they come. So when you've said that he's well, I believe you completely. And Jesus turned around and said, I've not seen such great faith. Come on, church. This is us. This is us right now. We need to have that kind of authority that when Jesus has said what he said in his word, we don't go, we don't go around doubting, well, he may not do that for me. He may not do this for me. Go read Psalm 103 and see what Psalm 103 says about your life. You know, he, he, bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and not, forget not all his benefits. Oh, bless the Lord, O oh my soul. He forgives all our iniquities. He heals all our diseases. He redeems our life from destruction and he crowns us with loving kindness and tender mercies so that our youth will be renewed like the eagle. Come on, how many of you slightly older need your youth renewed like the eagle? Yeah, no, it's not just the older. You see, it's like, oh, come on, these legs don't move like they want to, or like my head wants them to. So we have the ability and the power on earth to change circumstances here on this earth. But I love what it goes on to say and says, and of those under the earth. What was Jesus referring to? He was saying, the works of the enemy, I give you power and authority over all the works of the enemy. Every one of us, when we use that name of Jesus, heaven, you've got heaven's attention. Earth, calling Dan, suddenly got the attention. And under the earth, the enemy trembles at the name of Jesus. When we release that name, the enemy trembles at the power and the, 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 the knowledge and the authority of his name on the lips of one who knows what they're doing and what they're saying. The world uses his name. When you walk down the street and you hear someone talking about the name of Jesus or in, you know, they don't say in Jesus' name. I'm not even, I don't even, can't even go there. I can't bring it. But they blaspheme and they say and they do but you know what? They don't know the power in it. It makes no difference to their life. It makes no change to their life. But when you put that name on the life of a believer, there is something that changes in heaven, on the earth, and under the earth. All power. All power, both in heaven and on earth, has been given to you. Now you go in my name. Oh, if only we knew. The dynamic power in that name has been given to us. Nothing would stand in our way. So God has given us or given to us the name of Jesus. What are we doing with the name? You know, when, when Jesus was, I think it's in Luke 4, and he, he, he's begin, he began, he'd just come out of the wilderness, he, he'd enter into the synagogue and he said, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me. How many of us believe that in this room about ourselves? The spirit of the Lord God is upon me. That's a, that's a great part. That's a great... Oh, let's go there. I, this isn't where I'm meant to be, but I'm going to go there anyway. Luke 4. The spirit of the Lord God is upon me. Luke 4, verse 18. Because he has anointed me. How many of you believe you're anointed? Okay, so we, 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 the Spirit of the Lord's upon us. We know that we're anointed. Okay, so there comes a commission with that. There comes something that is so powerful. And it says, because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. Oh, we like to stop at the point where I know I'm, I'm called and I know I'm anointed and I know I've got the name of Jesus. But hang on, what about going and preach the gospel to the poor? He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. This is speaking of Jesus, but it's also speaking about your life. If we've got the same spirit of God living in us, if we've got the same anointing, walking and living and empowering our journey, this same scripture is ours. To preach the gospel to the poor, he sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, the recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those that are oppressed, and to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Do you know what the acceptable year of the Lord is? Today is the day of salvation to everyone who believes. This is 
our moment to share and to, and to, to reach out into the, the world and, and to let the world around us know what Jesus has done for us. How many of you believe in the Trinity? Yeah? That Jesus, Holy Spirit, and God are one in the three. Elohim, the plurality of God. So therefore, if God and Jesus are one, does that mean that the God of the Old Testament, Yahweh I Am, 10.565, behold the hands, behold the nails, does it mean that Jesus is also the great I Am? Because if Jesus is the great I Am, it equals him to who God is. And therefore, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father who sent me. I and my Father are one. I'm just going to share this scripture. I keep on getting ahead of myself. Because this is... Anyway. So John 10. John 10, verse 27, 31. It says, my sheep... I won't go down that line. I was going to get you to all bar, but we've done that before, I'm sure. My sheep hear my voice and I know them. And they follow me. That's a key. My sheep hear my voice and they follow me. Are you a God follower? Do you follow hard over the hills, after the hills of the one who saved your life? Are we followers of Jesus Christ? Then if we are, and I give them eternal life. If you're a follower of Jesus, you have been given eternal life. We've all got the, we've all have eternal life. Saved and unsaved have eternal life. The fact is, as Christians, we have eternal life with our Father in heaven. The unsaved have eternal life separate from God. It's in a lost eternity called hell. I'll tell you what, I am so thankful that God has given me a picture of what he's redeemed me from. That I know what I'm saved from. Therefore, you'll see me jump, you'll see me dance, you'll see me spin around, you'll see me kneel, you'll see me clap, you'll see me lift my hands. Why? Because I got a revelation of how he loves me. Oh, how he loves me. Oh, how he loves me. When we get a revelation of that, it will turn our life around. Then he says this, and I give them eternal life. Who gives them? Jesus gives us eternal life. Listen to this. And they shall never perish, neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. I'll tell you what, we don't live in a lost, saved, lost, saved. I was saved, I'm now not. I'm lost, saved, I'm now not. No one can pluck you from my hand. I don't believe in a lost, saved theology. Jesus died for my sin once and for all. If that wasn't good enough, then he's not good enough. But he was good enough. The work at the cross was good enough. He saved me and sealed me according to one of Ephesians 1, verse 13, 14, or 15, 16, somewhere around there. That the Holy Spirit, he sealed us with the Holy Spirit as our guarantee. And if he sealed me, don't tell me that the devil's bigger that he can unseal me. Don't tell me that, that my circumstances or other people or, or my issues or my sin is bigger than what Jesus did at the cross because it's not. He sealed me and he's my guarantee. I'm not the guarantee. I still make mistakes. But the guarantee of my salvation is between the covenant of God and the covenant of Jesus who hung on a cross for me and for you. And then it goes on and says, And my father... Who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of my father's hand. I and my father are one. Then the Jews took up stones again to stone him. At this moment, there is absolutely no shadow of a doubt that Jesus is saying, I'm God. And do you know what? Those that listened to him turned around and said, you've just You've just declared yourself as God and picked up stones to throw at him. It, it wasn't just, a, it wasn't just a, a, a nice sort of 
pieced together. No one can snatch you out of my hand. And all of He was saying, me, I and the Father, were one. That aggravated the Jewish authorities, the Sadducees, the Pharisees, the wouldn't seize and the couldn't seize. They frustrated the lot and they picked up stones and said, right, we're going to take you out. That's blasphemy. But that wasn't the first time. It wasn't the first time that Jesus said, I and the Father are one. It wasn't the first time that Jesus had turned around and said, hey, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. It wasn't the first time that he had equated himself to God and they'd picked up stones. I want us to flip on. This is, this is brilliant. This is, this is just John chapter 8. There are so many I am's in John. It's just fantastic. John 8 verse 51. Most assuredly, I say to you, if anyone keeps my word, he shall never see death. What a statement. It, to us, we, we live the other side of the cross, so we get it. When you think of these guys that Jesus is speaking to, they're not living the other side of the cross. This is the Gospels. In that sense, it's the Old Testament still. Most assuredly, I say to you, if anyone keeps my word, he shall never see death. Then the Jews said to him, now we know that you have a demon. Abraham is dead, and the prophets. And you say, if anyone keeps my word, he shall never taste death. Are you greater than our father Abraham, who is dead? And the prophets are dead. Who do you make yourself out to be? This is just, just picture it. This is, this is, come on, put color in it. Put, get in the storyline. You know, not, not just a preach on a Sunday morning. Get, be there. You know, there's the Pharisees, the, the Pharisees, the scribes, the, the, the writers of the law. And they're saying, they're scratching their heads saying, hang on, come on. Abraham, our patri- patri- patriarch, he died many years ago. And you're saying, he's, if anyone knows my word, they're not die. Didn't Abraham know the word of God? Didn't God cut the covenant with Abraham? Who do you make yourself out to be? In other words, who, the, who, the, who do you think you are? That's what they were saying. Who do you think you are? And then Jesus says these words. So Jesus answered, If I honor myself, my honor is nothing. It is my Father who honors me, of whom you say that he is your God. This is, this, it gets better. Yet you... Um, sorry, I've lost myself completely. Uh, whom, whom you say he is your God. Yet... You have not known him, but I know him. And if I say I do not know him, I, I, I shall be a liar like you are. <laughs> He's really getting in their face. He's like, come on, you Pharisee. <laughs> Jesus didn't like the Pharisees much. Yeah. Come on, you Pharisee. This is the truth. I know him. And if I said I didn't, I'd be a liar. But you do not know him. These are Pharisees of the law. Everyone looks to them. They're the religious leaders. Everyone looks to them. And then it goes on. He says, your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day. And he saw it and was glad. Abraham saw it. Then the Jews said to him, you are not yet 50 years old. And you say you have seen Abraham? It's it's, it's like, they're pulling their hair out. They're they're getting ready to pick up the stones already. And Jesus said, most assuredly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. Now, proper English would say, before Abraham was, I was. Yeah? Yeah? Before you came to church, I did. Before, before you prayed, I did. Before, I can't think of a, and I was. Come on, think. Before Abraham was, I was. 
It's the way it should have been worded. But he wasn't saying what they thought he needed to say. He turned around and said, before Abraham was, I am. Wow. Now that was a moment that the Pharisees found very difficult to swallow. Because Abraham was the father of faith, according to Romans. He was, he was the father of Israel. He was the one that they looked to. He was the one who started it. He was the one that God cut the covenant with. He was the one that left his family and went wandering to a place that God said go, but he didn't know where because it was a journey of faith. It was, it was, they, they held him in great esteem and honor. And when Jesus said, I am, he was identifying himself with Yahweh, the God of the Old Testament, here present with them in the flesh. In verse 59, it says, Then they took up stones to throw at him. Again, sticks and stones may break my bones, but names will never hurt me. Do you know what? That is such a wrong saying. It is such a lie. Sticks and stones may hurt for a moment, but words can last a lifetime. Then they took up stones to throw at him. But Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple. Listen to this. Jesus hid himself. Where? Where did he hide himself? And he went out of the temple, going through the midst of them. It's like me saying, right, I'm going to hide myself. I'm just going to walk away. It's like he walked through the midst. It didn't say he skirted around the outside. He walked through the midst of them. What happened? Did Jesus just go, boink, walk through the midst of them, I'm out of here. Who knows? I don't, one day we can ask Jesus that very question. But we do know that when Philip was witnessing, he was translated to where the Ethiopian eunuch was. I don't understand all the miracles of God's word. I just believe them. Here, Jesus walked through the midst of them and passed by them. Do you want to know what the word I am is in Greek? Because this is the New Testament now, not the old. In the old, it's Yahweh. In the New Testament, it's ego am I. And it means I am. Just means... See, it just means I am. But it means I am God. I am the one. I am Messiah. I am the Christ. I am the anointed one. So Jesus here was saying, I am who I am. Just like God did in the Old Testament. Jesus wasn't a helper of God. He wasn't a great, just a great teacher. Many of them said, what a teacher. We've never heard such a great teacher. He wasn't just a prophet that other religions would like to say that he was a prophet. He was a prophet, but he wasn't just a prophet. He was divine, eternal, pre-existent, infinite, and a perfect human being. Perfectly God, perfectly man, 100% God, 100% man. He is Elohim, the third person of the Trinity, one of the three here with us. The Old Covenant, the Old Testament, and God's redemptive acts were all pointing to Jesus. Everything that you read in the Old Testament pointed to Jesus. When you look at the sacrifices in the book of Leviticus, that one of the most difficult books of the Bible to read, the fatty lobes, the livers, the whatever else. It's all about blood sacrifice for the children of Israel. It was all pointing to Jesus. There is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. It's not just the scapegoat that we'll lay hands on and send the goat off into the wilderness. He became our scapegoat and the sin of the world was placed on him. And he went to the pit of hell and redeemed every life. He took back the keys of death, hell and the grave. He took back that which we had lost through Adam. And the second Adam, the last Adam, Jesus, came and redeemed our life from destruction. 
Jesus is the fulfillment of all types and shadows. And throughout the book of John, you know, or the gospel of John, as John's writing these things down, he, he just begins to reveal the different I am names of Jesus. And they're very much like covenant names, but I'm just going to briefly hit them. In John 6.35, he says, I am the bread of life. Just as God fed the children of Israel as they wandered through the wilderness, um, Israel, uh, Israel wandered through them with heaven, manna, heaven, uh, angel food from heaven, manna. God fed the children of Israel for the years that they walked, went through the wilderness. Do you know what? Jesus has become the bread of life to each and every one of us. He is your bread of life. He is our all sufficiency. All we need is found in him. There's another I am, John, uh, John 8, verse 12. It says, I am the light of the world. Jesus is declaring, I am the light of the world. Jesus is the light in a dark world. Do you know what? The closer that we walk with him, the darker the world seems because the light of light now lives and abides in us. And the light and darkness, there is no connection. When light comes into a room, darkness flees. When you walk into your office on a, on a Monday morning, or wherever it is you go off to work, when you, when you go into Kentucky Fried, whenever it is, you, when you walk in, darkness has to flee because light has entered the room. When you walk into that factory floor, there may be 3,000 unsaved people, but when you walk in, light you, whenever you've when ever been in a really dark place, you've been in a cave, haven't you? I didn't find Jane in a cave, but she's been in a cave. <laughs> it was pitch black. Couldn't see anything at all. And then they put a light on it. It's like the light extinguishes darkness. Wherever you go, you carry the light of God. And you extinguish the darkness. And that's what Jesus said. I am the light of the world. Darkness, hopelessness, Bondage to sin, it no longer has to be a part of our journey because the light of God has come on the inside of us. He said, I am the door to the sheep in John 10 verse 7. Jesus is the doorway through which we enter. Oh no, you can't come in through Muhammad. You can't come in through, through Krishna or any other God, so-called, little g, man-made. You can't come to eternal life. You can't come to God through any other path except through Jesus Christ. He is the doorway that enables us to step in to a relationship with Jesus Christ. And that is the only doorway. There is no other. All roads lead to heaven? No. It is a lie. This world is telling a lie. The church, unfortunately, is telling lies. All paths do not lead to heaven. All paths other than Jesus go to a lost eternity. Only, Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. I am the good shepherd, John 10, 11. Jesus here is speaking prophetically. The good shepherd, the Bible very clearly in, in John 10, speaks about the shepherd will lay down his life for his sheep. He will stand at the gateway of the, of the entrance to the gate pen and he will give his life for his sheep. And that's exactly what Jesus has done for us. He is the good shepherd and he's given his life for you and I. I am the resurrection and the life. John eleven twenty five. 25. Jesus is our resurrection. And that same resurrection power now lives in you and I. If... The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead, I think this is in Romans, if the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead, if the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead now lives in you, he will now quicken your mortal body. If you want your body to be, he's already quickening our mortal body, not just when we get to heaven, not just in the, in the, in the journey of a lot. He right now is quickening your mortal body. That's why I believe for miracles to break out in the room whilst the preaching of the word goes. Because the quickening of the Spirit of God is looking over his word to manifest his power in this room. 
Whenever you open the Word of God, don't just wait for Sunday morning. Whenever you, this is a miracle book, this is a miraculous book. It's, it's an incorruptible seed from heaven. Whenever you open the Word, believe for miracles to break out in your life. I am the resurrection and the life. He brings life to the physical, to the mental, the emotional, and the spiritual of our life. He quickens that to us. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. John 14, 6. Jesus said, you shall know the truth, and the truth will make you free. The key is, you shall know the truth. Oh, when, when I speak to people and say, oh, so what scripture are you believing for, for your healing? Well, I, I don't know quite where it is. I, I, I do struggle sometimes to... Re- you shall know the truth, and the truth will make you free. Come on, let's have the Word of God placed in our heart so that we've got something to draw on so that our faith can connect to the truth of God's Word. It is all spiritually connected. And if we don't know the Word, get the Word in you. M- memorize a passage, a a verse, whether it's a week or a day, I don't care how you do it, but get the word of God in you. Because we need, you know, 3 John 2, Beloved, I wish above all things that I may prosper and be in health even as my soul prospers. Where does soul prosperity come from? Being in the word of God. When your mind is being transformed, not according to how this world would want, but according to the word of God. As my soul is, is allowing the word of God to transform my mind there is soul prosperity. If there's soul prosperity, I wish above all things that my uh, wish above all things that my I wish above all things that you prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. Come on, let's get some soul prosperity in our life so that our our lives portray what God's truth says. It says in John 15 verse one, "I am the true vine. He is the vine, and we are the." Okay, I'm going to say that again. He is the vine. We are the branches. Have you ever seen a tomato plant growing up nicely and the tomato over here on the floor is growing well? Never seen it. But if that tomato is connected to the tomato plant, give it a little bit of time, a little bit of water, a little bit of tomorite, and you'll get nice, juicy tomatoes going red and toasty tomato. Have we got any tomatoes? Oh, maybe I... Oh, no, I'm here, aren't I? Anyway, I'm thinking food now. I've lost where I'm going. He's the vine. We're the branch. The key is vine, branch. Stay connected. Because if this is the vine, and that is the branch, what is in the vine will come through the branch. Whatever is in the branch will produce fruit. That fruit is what remains. The problem comes when the vine and the branch become separated. Jesus said, Me and my word are one. When the word is in our heart. And you read John 15. It's all about the word and the vine. I just love, is there, this is the vine. Is there sickness in Jesus, the vine? How about the branch? See, if there is, then let's get the word. Let's start prophesying the word over our life. By his stripes, I am healed. And let's begin to declare it that no sickness and disease will come near this dwelling. He gives his angels a special charge over me. I'm going to declare the word of God over this branch. Because if it's not in the vine, and the vine, that which is in the sap of the vine, is in the branch producing the fruit, then some things are not right. How about, how about, how about, if there's peace, peace in the vine, my peace, Jesus said, I give to you. My peace surpasses understanding. It's not a peace that the world would know. It's a peace that is, that is different to the worldly peace. If there's peace in the vine, guess what should be in the branch? Peace in the branch. Regardless of what 
the storm may look like, it is well with my soul. I'm going to have to quickly go on, sorry, because I, I want to get to this last one. I'm not going to do a three-week three on, on this part. So we're going to go to the last one. This, this is the one that just gets me, gets me so excited. I've been looking forward to getting here, and now I'm here. I hope you get as excited as I am on this one. Here we go, John 18, verse 3. Then Judas, having received a detachment of troops okay, and officers of the chief priests and Pharisees, so really there's three lots that are coming out for Jesus, they are the detachment of troops, the officers of the chief priests, and of those of the Pharisee. Three lots are coming out. And they came with lantern, torches, and weapons. And uh, Jesus, therefore, knowing all things that would come upon him, went forward and said to them, Whom are you seeking? And they answered, Jesus of Nazareth. And Jesus said to them, I am he. I am he. And Judas, who betrayed him, also stood with them. Now when he had said to them, I am he, they drew back and fell to the ground. Now, I've heard figures, and as I researched this uh, during the week, they reckon there could have been up to 200 to 600 troops from the... A detachment from the troops, the officers, and the chief priests. There could have been up to 200 or 600 troops. But when Jesus said, I am, something happened. Something happened. Jesus said, I am Yahweh. And the power of heaven was moved and something happened on the earth that no force could withhold or stand against. Who do you seek? Just checking where I'm going to land. Who do you seek? Jesus of Nazareth. I am They fell to the floor. It actually says they hit the floor with a thud and a shudder. All Jesus is, I'm he. But actually what he said, all heaven released. All heaven. Let's, let's, let's go for the biggest number. 600 troops. You know, I'm talking about pipsqueak and, and, and weak man. We're talking about, these are the guys who walked around and you know, these are the guys who would take your head off by looking at them. 600 fell to the floor. Oh, I could have a bit of fun here. Oh, no, I'm running out of time, sorry. I was going to get Ken and, and, and um, Jody and a couple of, and Pavel, just a couple of big guys in the room. 600 of you. And when Jesus said, I am, they couldn't stand the power of God. Do you know what our problem is compared to what Jesus' problem, is, problem wasn't? Jesus knew who he was. The problem that we have, we don't know who we are. We think we are pipsqueak and, and weak men. We, th- we think... We think uh, we think against the work of the enemy, against someone who just died on the floor. Who am I? Where's pastor? He said he's given us all power and authority over every sickness and disease, over death and sin and habits that seem to hold and to, to grip. He said, I've given you power and authority over all these things. Jesus said to them, I am he. And they drew back and fell to the ground. He said, Ego ami, I am Yahweh. The Roman soldiers, they came out with weapons and swords and clubs. But not one of them was raised against him because they hadn't got the power because they were on the floor. 
I can imagine just thinking, what on earth was that? You know, I, I remember years, many years ago, back in the 80s, I was a postman in those days, and I remember I was, I was the only postman to get out of the office, because I was always first out. I was the only person, postman to get out in the hurricane that we had, the worst of the worst of the hurricanes that we ever had. I was out on my post round, cycling around on my little bike. There were pot plants and trees and, and tiles of roofs crashing around. It was so exhilarating. It was so much fun. I remember as I got up to the top of Anne's Hill, not cycling, it's too windy. I got to the top. I thought, right, here we go. I'm going to cycle down there. And I got on my bike blown backwards. I thought, this is mad. The wind, the power of this wind. That wasn't even an indication of what happened to 600 troops when the name of Jesus was released. Ego, Amy, Yahweh. When Jesus spoke those words, and do you know what? When you, he said, I now give you my name to go into this world with my authority to do the things that I said you could do. When problems or issues come your way, guess what? When you stand up in the name of Jesus and you say, sickness disease. You have no hold on me. I'm not going to keep falling into the wall, right? But when you speak to your debt, when you speak over the, 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 the lack of finance in your life, I, I trust you, Jesus, that you provide all things according to your word. You supply all my needs according to your riches. Circumstances, problems. It's amazing, isn't it? It's just, come on. Let the word of God be on your lips. Death and life are in the power of your tongue. Come on, let's get it the right way around. Death and life. What you say over you, see, I can preach the best sermons in the world, and I think I do all right. But, <laughs> oh, kidding, I'm, I'm having fun. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. So when you prophesy over your life, you are the best preacher. You are your best preacher. I can preach the best sermons. Someone else can preach another best sermon. That You may have a favorite preacher podcast. You, you are your best preacher. What you say over your life determines your future. Not me, not another pastor, not even, not even the word of God, because the word of God is full. It is truth. But unless you believe it and speak it over your life, it has no effect. power of God is now within you. You release it through your words. Prophesy. I love what Emma said earlier, first thing this morning, in the area of prayer. Prophesy over your life. Speak the word over your life. Declare what he said. And I'll tell you what, you're not demons out of the way, remember? His name has all power over that which is under the earth. What you're facing right now here, you're, maybe your doctor, it may be your bank manager, not them as persons, but what they're saying to you. Come on, let the power of God release and change your future. Change your words. You will change your future. That is something that people would tweet, isn't it? Change your words, change your future. So let me finish. Jesus, the Jesus we serve is all powerful. There is no force strong enough to resist him. Every power that attempts to defy him or his word is pushed backwards and shaken until it staggers and stumbles and falls to the ground. But you will never have that kind of power unless you know the one who gives it. And I want to give you an opportunity this morning. I know we've got visitors with us. I know some of you are visiting. Some of you are passing through. Some of you are making church home. You maybe have walked with us in church for a long time, but you've never made Jesus Christ 
your Lord and Savior. This morning, I'm going to pray a very simple prayer. I call it a prayer of introduction. I want to introduce you to Jesus who says that this book, his word, is true. It's his word. He spoke it, and we believe it. Amen. So let's just pray together. If you want to make Jesus the Lord and the Savior of your life, come on, let's pray this together. Everyone's going to pray with you just to help you in this journey this morning. Jesus, I come to you, the great I am. And I recognize that I've sinned, that I've made mistakes, but you came and died on a cross to forgive me. I receive that forgiveness today. And I make you my Lord and Savior. And I invite you into my heart. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. While every head is bowed, every eye closed in this room. You may have prayed it before, but today you mean in it and perhaps understand it for the first time. There may be others in the room and this is the first time that you've prayed that prayer. But today you want to make Jesus your Lord and Savior. I'm going to count to three. I'm not going to ask for a very simple response. I'm going to ask you to pop up your hand. I've got a couple of Bibles and books and some information I'd like to pass to you. If you prayed that prayer today and you want Jesus to be your Lord and Savior, I'm going to count to three. Put your hand up afterwards. One, two, three. If you prayed that prayer, just give us a wave. You prayed it and you meant it in your heart. Thank you. I see that hand. Is there anybody else in this room you say, yeah, you count me in? Last week we had five. Yes, I see that hand. That's amazing. Thank you. A gentleman and a lady. Is there anybody else in this room you say, yeah, that's me? Be my Lord and Savior. Be my great I am. Fantastic. I'm going to count down from five. If you want Jesus to be your Lord and Savior, just feel free to put up your hand in that time. Five, four, three, two, one. Father, I thank you for these two hands that have gone up this morning. You know them. You've always known them. And you knew that today was coming. Father, we celebrate with you in changed hearts, changed lives, and a changed destiny. Father, I pray that you would pour out your love upon them, that they would know your love this day in such an incredible way. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen. Amen. Come on, Dave. Two lives. Two lives changed. Two journeys. Two destinies. Fantastic. God is so good. Amen.